Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to episode 247 of Sexology Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have been our listener for a while, you probably heard me talking about my goal of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro for my birthday, which was last month. I just got back, back to the office, back to the States last week. And I wanted to give you a recap because I I often want to know what happens to the next part of people's story. We successfully, we were able to reached the peak. I went with my husband, but it was really, really tough due to altitude sickness and the changes in altitude. We did a six days hike trek because we wanted to minimize the time uh, the nights were spending on the mountain because of the temperature and all, all the issues with not having shower and restroom, all of that. I was okay until last two days my oxygen level dropped dramatically. So at the last night, the night of summit, you have to wake up around 1 a.m. and you start trekking and hiking in, in pitch dark. The temperature was minus 10 and it was the toughest thing I've ever done. I've done many, many adventures in my life, but this is one of those adventures that I don't want to do it again. They, the crew, the team, they measure your oxygen level at different points at the night. Um, an hour before reaching the peak, my oxygen level dropped to 61. And they, they were encouraging me to go down. And I just couldn't quit an hour before reaching the peak. So I pushed myself. It was really, really tough. I I was able to make it to the peak, but the pictures are horrible. Like if if I, I would be happy to share it with you guys, I shared some in my stories. I have blue lips. I look like someone who came out of ICU. My husband and I were laughing about it the other day. Anyhow, I'm glad that we are back safely, but it was definitely an interesting experience. And thanks to those of you to, who reached out, supported me. It was a wonderful thing to be able to share that special moment with you guys. Anyhow, I'm back ready and excited and I want to connect with you. So I have an invitation for you. This month, I'm offering three free live masterclasses. The classes are for couples in long-term relationship. And I will teach you, it's about an hour, and I will teach you how to confidently connect with your partner and rekindle spark without feeling rejected or feeling pressured. Spots are limited. So if you are interested, go to my show notes and sign up for them. I would love to hang out with you. Honestly, last time I I did one of those was I think six, seven months ago. We had such a great time. And I love connecting with my listeners. So if if you are in a relationship and you want to learn some tips and tricks, join me and I would love to see you there. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about intimacy coordination. We had Chantal on the show. 
last week and she gave us lots of good information about the role of intimacy coordinator. But because of the number of questions that I have, a number of questions you guys sent me, we were not able to uh, finish our conversation then. That's why I invited another LA-based intimacy coordinator, Marcy Liroff, on our show. And today we're going to talk about some of the tough scenes that she coordinated. Because sometimes when we're thinking about intimacy coordinator, we're thinking about this sensual, exciting love scenes in the kind of romantic movies that we've seen. And of course, that's part of the role of intimacy coordinators. But they also coordinate scenes with minors. They're going to coordinate scenes with with adults that in, involve sexual violence. And also, they do choreography of intimate scenes. So Marcy will tell us about the ins and outs of this role. So make sure that you're listening to all the way to the end of this episode. As I mentioned, our guest is Marcy Liroff. She's a casting director, intimate coordinator and acting coach based in LA. From her decades of experience in audition rooms as a casting director and on set as a producer and acting coach, Marcy has seen firsthand how this industry can treat actors. With Me Too and Times of Movement, intimacy coordination has been created to ensure the actors, filmmakers, and crew are kept informed, educated, and safe during scenes of intimacy and nudity. Her years of work in film and television production, along with her communication skills and keen eye, make Marcy a perfect fit in the world of intimacy coordination. She has extensive training in intimacy coordination and she worked as intimacy coordinators on various projects. Some of the projects that you might know is on season two of Hightown and for Lion Gates. Some of the projects that Marcy worked as the intimacy coordinator, one of them on the series on Hightown for Stars Lion Gate. Before we dive into our interview today, I wanted to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. To check out BetterHelp, go to betterhelp.com slash sexologypodcast. That's betterhelp slash sexologypodcast. And join the one more than 1 million people taking charge of your mental health with the help of experienced licensed professional. A special offer for sexology listeners, get 10% of your first month at betterhelp.com slash sexology. You will find the link to our URL for BetterHelp in the show notes. All right, here's my conversation with Marcy Liroff. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am very excited and honored to have Marcy Liroff on our show. Marcy, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I am very excited about this upcoming conversation we're going to have. I always uh, were interested to learn more about intimacy coordinators. I had heard about the wonderful works that you and your colleagues do from my clients, but I know we were in a room in a clubhouse that I learned so much more about all different aspects of your work. And, you know, I was reading about your background. I usually read about my guests on on the internet, different places. 
And I saw that you have such a, you haven't had such a fruitful career. So you were a casting director for years. I was looking at like, oh God, E.T. and like kind of those, one of those original Blade Runners. Mm-hmm. So tell us, how did you get from, and you know, you're an acting coach. So from those kind of like those part of your career, how did you transition to adding an intimacy coordinator as, as part of your work? Well, I've been casting for a very long time, as you can see, a little over 40 years and producing movies. And I've been uh, working as an acting coach as well for about the last 10 or 11 years. And I've been looking for my next act. You know, I've been casting for a long time. I feel like I've done really good work and I wanted to look into something else. And so in 2017, I heard about this new position on set as an intimacy coordinator and kept doing my research and, and kept following the people that were doing it and realized that it was really an amalgamation of all of my skills that I have thus far. And I thought it, it sounded very interesting. And I thought that I could really thrive in this. One of the things I, I'm really strong, I feel strongly about is I, I always speak up for those that don't have a voice. And actors have unfortunately been taken advantage of in these scenes where there's simulated sex and or nudity. And we're done with that. We're not going back. And now that this job has been established and it's growing, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. And so the more research I did, I uh, finally found this woman in Los Angeles. Her name is Amanda Blumenthal, and she's the premier intimacy coordinator in Los Angeles, and she was doing training. And so I reached out to her and she interviewed me and I got into her second cohort of of, uh, people that were being trained. And this was in 2019. Time is such a blur right now in terms of trying to figure out because this last year has been, uh, you know, a wash. But uh, yes, so this was uh, six months in 2019. I trained with her and learned so much about this field and then started working at the end of 2019 and booked a bunch of jobs in 2020 and then of course the world stopped in march and uh then sat there until the next job finally came along well i'm glad that everything is open now like at least most places and hopefully they're going to be more production soon you know what's interesting is when people think about intimacy coordinator, at times they think about like sex police. <laughs> Thinking it's, funny about... <laughs> you, it's funny that you say that because that certainly is the perception by some that it's really an HR job mm-hmm. and that we're the sex police and we're there to raise our finger and tell you what you can do and what you can't do. And it's really not at all true. What We, we kind of compare our job to being a stunt coordinator, which it's very similar in terms of safety and prep and education around the actual scene to make sure that everyone stays safe and that the filmmakers get the shot that they need and are telling the story authentically so that it it looks real and it's it's selling the story but it's done in a safe way so that nobody gets hurt right and i can imagine it's such a delicate job because do you want to make sure you're protective of course people's boundaries and yeses and nos but also you're right, it's at everyone's benefit. If, if the director's vision has been kind of portrayed on, on the movie and the set. And it's interesting that with your skill of being an acting coach in the past, I would imagine that comes handy because when you hear, and at least what I, what I hear from my clients is that like some of these scenes are 
very kind of structured. It's not what we see. <laughs> These like sensual scenes that we see, it's not how it's feel. How do you help the crew and team to coordinate those intimacy scenes? Well, it's a it's a long process, but we start in pre-production because it used to be where a scene is written, the actors have agreed to do it. They'll show up on set wrapped in a, in a sheet or a, a bathrobe and this director says, okay, go for it. And that's it. That's, that's all the prep that, that has been done. There's been no discussion about choreography, the movement, consent, which is the most important thing, boundaries, where, where are we going to touch today? So now what we do is we start early in pre-production so that I'll have a meeting with the director and the filmmakers to see what they want out of this particular scene. First, I break down the script to find the scenes that, that I'd be working on. And we talk about tone. We talk about you know what they want it to look like, sometimes where the camera has to end at the very end of the scene. And, and I am trained in choreography and movement. Now, some directors treat these scenes like hot potato and they want nothing to do with it and they get very scared around it. And some directors know exactly what they want and they come to it with storyboards. And so in those cases, I know to step back, but some directors I work with are very collaborative and like they, they want me to help them design the scene and uh, help them with the choreography. So I start really in pre-production talking to the director and the filmmakers who wanna be part of this discussion, find out what they want. And then I go to the actor one-on-one -on -one privately and have this discussion to, to tell them what the director is looking for, to feel them out, to see what ideas they have as well, and to fully understand and get their consent. And when we say consent in our business, consent is really the cornerstone of, of this job. And we want not just consent, but enthusiastic consent. And what I mean by that is... Sometimes I'll go to an actor and say, okay, they want him to squeeze your nipple or bite your nipple. And I hear the actor, so is that good with you? And the actor says, well, okay, yeah, that's not enthusiastic consent. I need to know, I need to gauge that you're definitely on board because otherwise it, this is not going to be a good day. And the reason why we do these private one-on-ones is because if the director or producer is asking the actor directly, it's very hard for them to say no, because those people have the hiring and firing power. And so we're there to, to kind of change the power dynamic a little bit, but I am working on, I am working on both sides. You know, I'm working with just like any department head, quite honestly, I'm collaborating with the filmmakers and also working with the actors and my background as a casting director and acting coach, it really helps because I, I love actors and I'm steeped in, in this world and I know exactly how to speak with them and how to help them do their best. And so I will, I will gauge what their, their interest is in what the director is asking for. Then I go back to the director and tell them, yes, she's on board or no, we have to talk about this little bit. And then if there's anything that uh, we need within the scene, like a uh, prosthetic sometimes, you may not know this, but in film, we can show a flaccid penis, but we can't show an erect penis. And oh, so, I didn't know that. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, why would you know that? <laughs> why would you know that? <laughs> and so anytime you're seeing an erect penis on film, it's a prosthetic mm. sometimes. And so I will then go to uh, special effects and they have to send out to get this built. 
or we might need a merkin, which is a piece of pubic. It's kind of like a pubic wig. Mm-hmm. So I then have to go to hair and have them. So, you know, after this meeting, I might need to go to the other departments and get them on board with what we need. We're, we also help the actor with the modesty garments. So many times you think the actor is completely naked and they're naked together, but you can't have genital to genital contact on film. That is where it becomes porn, right? And so we, we help them with modesty garments and then also fashion some kinds of barriers. Some of them could be literally cut up pieces of yoga mats that are secured on their genitals so that they're you know not exactly rubbing on each other. We're also trained in, uh, some of us anyway, are trained in trauma because you sometimes you can unexpectedly have an actor get triggered by a particular scene that they didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. And so I sit by the monitor on the day while we're shooting and I'm either going in and out of the set or I'm sitting, I'm sitting by the monitor. And if I see an actor start to, well, we may have a safe word or they may call me. And if I see them start to melt down, I'm going to have the director stop and we'll take the time and I'll go help them get out of that situation. And in terms of dealing with the crew, I'm there to educate. I'm some there, sometimes there to educate about pronouns. Like I, ha- I was working with this person that refused to call this, this trans woman a woman. Oh, no. And so I'm there to educate the crew so that they are respectful of the actors or, or anyone that's really on set. We also are responsible for helping the business affairs attorneys with the nudity writers. So uh, when an actor is negotiating their deal, their agent negotiates very specifically what they can show and what the sex act is. And we say simulated sex because we want people to know that they're not actually having sex because many times people think that, I mean, it looks so good. It looks like they are, but we really need to qualify that it is simulated sex. So we'll help the attorneys with the wording for those writers. And if the actor needs us to help explain what they mean, then, then I'm there to do that. And we're really just like an actor's ally on set, which they've never had, and help enforce the writers to make sure that they're adhered to and also that the SAG contract is also adhered to. Because they've been, people have been taken advantage of, surely. Absolutely. You know, I have like a younger actresses in my practice and they're just so eager to to be part of the pictures so they agree on things that may might not be aligned at least in the past with with what they're comfortable with so that's why i'm so excited there is there are these rules and there are these allies like like yourself recently on the set that can help them to feel empowered well one thing the actors that are listening should know that many of them don't but built into the sag after contract is let's say you've agreed to do a scene and you've agreed to do a specific amount of nudity or simulated sex and you've signed your writer and you get to set and you start doing the scene and something either triggers you or something goes sideways and you just suddenly realize I can't do this in your contract you have the right to say no and we can then try to come to a compromise to shoot this to continue shooting the scenes so that you're comfortable with maybe some new movements or whatnot, or you can say, no, I can't do that. And I need to pull out and your contract protects you. And then we have the right, the the production has the right to get a body double for you to continue this scene, but the body double can only do what you've agreed to do in your contract. So the body double is not going to misrepresent things that you've agreed to do. Mm -hmm. They can't go any further than what, what is on uh, your nudity writer. 
Also, another clause that has come into the 2020 contract, which, which I think is important, is that the production has to send the actor and the represent, representatives, the nudity writer, to look over 48 hours ahead of the shooting date. And the production can't add anything new to it. If they do, then it sets the clock back another 48 hours. So this will stop, it, it, sometimes it would happen that an actor would come to set, they'd agreed to do something specific and the director or producer would come on and say, no, 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 I need to see you totally nude and uh, in doggy style. And you're like, well, wait a minute, I didn't agree to that. And so this stops that from happening. And the reason that happens sometimes is, is the director will say, well, I saw you do it in another movie. And so this is where consent comes in because mm -hmm. consent is not this blanket statement. It, consent doesn't follow you around from moment to moment. Consent is consent in the moment. So let's say you've agreed to do this last night, but this morning you're not feeling it. So I'm there to just help make it more comfortable. And, and since we've discussed everything, beforehand we don't have any accidents or we don't have any surprises on the day and the actor can just sit back and and do their work and just just put their head into their work rather than worrying about what's showing or what's some is somebody going to touch me in the wrong place or take advantage of me they can they just they know, it's this like a dance that we've choreographed and we know all the moves and so there's not going to be any any surprises and some people think that it may uh, take away spontaneity but there's nothing spontaneous in a stunt and there's nothing spontaneous in choreography for dance. You make it look good because you know it so well, like the back of your hand, but it's all choreographed. Well, I think that's is such a kind of reassuring things for the talents to know that, you know, this is the steps. I know where it's going so I can really drop into my body and do my best work. And I would imagine that most directors would welcome that because you're supporting the everyone on the team to, to move forward with the project. So that sounds like an asset. Is that something it's a must for every movie that they have kind of intimate scenes that they have, a, they have to hire an intimacy coordinator or that's something that talents can request and they need to be provided for? Well, that's a good question. At this point, it's not mandatory according to the SAG after contract. We've had intimacy coordinators have a committee that have been working with SAG-AFTRA for the last few years, and there are talks that they would like to have it be mandatory, but at this point, there aren't really enough of us to go around to make that work. But studios like HBO, it is mandatory for them whenever there's content such as this on their projects, they will always bring in an IC. We call ourselves ICs. There are several other studios and networks that are also doing this, but they haven't declared it publicly that this is what they're doing, you know, that it's a mandatory thing. I do see this happening down the line, you know, very shortly, actually, that it will become mandatory. I think in the UK, they're starting to do that as well. You know, I think people just need to really understand what the job is because some, I have run into some people that really dig their heels in and feel like we're infringing on their territory. And like I said, we collaborate with the director just like any other department head. Absolutely. And I know there are some, I would imagine there are some scenes that are less challenging and there are some scenes that requires more coordination. When I think about kind of intimacy scenes so with, with adults, if something essential might be, can, like one case per another might be different, it might be easier. But I know that there are scenes that there are minor involves. What are some of the considerations for those scenes? 
Good question. Well, first of all, minors cannot do any simulated sex. We have recently been hired, at least in the last few years anyway, on projects that have minors kissing, just a simple kiss, because it may be their first kiss in life. And with a whole crew around, it could be very uncomfortable and very awkward, and it might be their first screen kiss. And so we're there to help the actor, the the minor, walk through this and start with some exercises and some trust exercises to get them close and to understand what this is and to kind of take the stigma off of it. There was a situation in the TV series Stranger Things where Millie Bobby Brown, the lead, had her first actual kiss and her first screen kiss in this project. And the 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 directors, the Duffer brothers, with no malice, but they were kidding around with her and teasing her all day about oh, no. this. So that by the time she finally shot, she was so, so nervous and they didn't realize what they were doing. But I've heard her comment on this in so many interviews. So it obviously was somewhat traumatic for her. And so lots of studios and networks are hiring us to, to be there for that. And I, I think one of the first jobs I did was actually a kiss with two minors and she was being aggressive and trying to seduce him. And uh, at the end of the shoot, they both came up to me and said, I was so scared. And, and now that you're here, I feel so great. And the scene went so great. And we laughed and it was just like music to my ears because they, they felt like they were in their bodies and that they had some control and some say in the scene. And they were so comfortable with each other by the time we finally shot it. It was it was really a revelation, actually. How empowering for the minor, kind of knowing that from the beginning, this is for many people at the beginning of their career, that you have a say to how the scenes goes and you're protected. So I'm grateful that they hired, uh, exactly. hired you for it. And we, we, go, we get very specific because, especially for a minor, we talk tongue, no tongue. You know, you don't suddenly want someone's tongue in your mouth and you haven't discussed this and you're total strangers. So we make sure that everything is discussed beforehand. And so there, again, there's no surprises and uh, everybody's comfortable. What about the scenes that there are kind of elements of violence in it? Is that, are those scenes are also tough to negotiate or there are more consideration for those scenes? Tell us more about that. Well, I think there needs to be more consideration for it and, and uh, in pre-production to feel out the actors, to see if perhaps they've had any real life situations like this that could possibly come to the surface. And also to make sure that we choreograph this very safely, much like a stunt. And we're just talking the whole time. We, we need to be in communication. Check, you know, I check in all the time. And also it's important for after the scene that we treat the scene. You've heard the expression, like it's a container. We kind of treat this like a, a container, like this is a box. And when we're done, we close the container. Now I want to make sure that when they go home, that they're, they're not having this lingering feeling of, you know, and this goes for, let's say the person who's the aggressor, as well as the victim, mm-hmm. it can really do a, you know, a big number on your head as the aggressor for sure. And so I, le- I like to know when they go home, is the, what's their, do they have a plan in place? Do they have someone that's going to be there? Are they walking away from set as like an open wound? You know, I, those are the considerations. You want to make sure that they don't leave completely shell-shocked 
And so there is follow-up and then I follow up the next day. I'm following up throughout the scene and we, we just got to make sure that everybody stays safe, especially in a situation like that, because it's, it's very emotional and can be very traumatic. Absolutely. And I know many of these clients that I work with, that they had their own history of trauma. They, they at times think they work through it, they agree with it, but when they are in the midst of the scene, they get re-triggered because of yes. getting nothing even drastic a certain kind of touch awakened that memory in, in them and i hear that you're there to support them if they need to take a break or they need to change things and it can also trigger the crew mm-hmm. as well those that are watching this action now one of the things that we enforce in scenes like this is that it's a closed set meaning that only essential personnel are are able to watch it be there and watch it on the monitor, all the monitors around the set. Because if you're doing a big production, there are several monitors all over the set. And so they are tented or flagged, meaning that no one else can see it except the people that are on the essential crew list. But they could get triggered as well. And so they, they, uh, you know, I let them know that they can come to me. Now, I'm not trained as a, a psychologist at all. I'm not going to pretend to be but I can certainly help you get out of the whatever is going on with you at that time. What a wonderful offering for people to know that even if they're not part of playing this scene, they, they yeah. still have a space to process things and talk about it. If they need resources, I'm sure you, you have resources that you can send them towards. So I think, again, it's, it's essential for the set safety to have someone that have those abilities and also resources. Well, tell us, have you ever had the kind of situation that someone got triggered and like you needed to... Like they needed to not do the scene at all. Like like they had to change it. That has not happened to me yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am just starting out. I just did a series for stars called Hightown and I was on it for six months. It was their second season. And so all the actors knew each other very well. And there was always this, there was already a built-in trust and shorthand between them. But I haven't had that happen yet. And, uh, but if it does, I'm, I'm certainly ready for it. Well, again, I think the the wonderful thing is that you, you've worked at so many different parts of uh, the uh, kind of entertainment industry. So you're, you're, you, you're able to navigate these kind of different situations, I can imagine. That's true. I mean, one thing about this job is you have to have set experience in order to do it. And I don't think that's something that could really be taught. You have to actually have lived it and experienced it because it's not, it's not part of the training. You have to come into it with actual, I would suggest one or two years of actual set experience because there's, there's set etiquette, there's protocol, there's, there's so much that you can't really teach. You have to experience it. Well, tell us what was the toughest scene you coordinated? You know, I, I have an NDA, and so I can't get into specifics, but we're also involved in taking care of the background actors mm-hmm. in addition to the lead actors. So I could have a day where there may be several background actors plus our lead actors, and it's just, it's just a lot. Uh, I can't be in five places at once. So that that does make it difficult, but I can't really talk specifics on this particular one. Sure, sure, no problem. But you say when there's a different aspects of it, kind of different aspects of the work that makes it diff- like harder for you to be present at all the places. Uh, yeah, and also things like, so I told you about the modesty garments, which are really stuck to you with adhesive. And water and sweat is, is can be a problem. Uh, we have this waterproof, 
adhesive, but let's say scenes that are underwater in the ocean or in, in the pool, there's just a little bit more attention that you have to pay to make sure that they stick on and they stay on. So between us, me, myself and my colleagues, we're always trading secrets, trade secrets about what works and what doesn't work and what's a great barrier and what's a great stickum and, and you know, what are you using for this? And so we're all really taking care of each other right now. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time to be in this burgeoning business and, and learning new things from my colleagues. Well, it's so wonderful. So you're telling me that you have to be creative at times. It's not like this is a set that this is a thing we're using for this. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we're using cut up yoga mats for barriers. <laughs> we're using dish, like I found this, I'm forgetting what you call it, but it's like a dish drain pad that you put on the counter and you can uh -huh. put your dishes on. So I'll cut that up. <laughs> <laughs> It's like my kit. So we all have these kits that we bring to set that have all the little tools that we need. My favorite one is, do you know what a Pilates ball looks like? Yes. It's about this big and you blow it up, right? Mm -hmm. So it ends up being about this big. So you take out some of the air. So it's mm -hmm. a little squishy. And so I can put it between like, let's say we have two performers and they're, they're doing doggy style. Mm -hmm. And so I can put it between them. And so that the person on top has something to kind of bounce off of. And mm -hmm. then the person receiving is not having genitals smashed into them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what so a brilliant I, idea. When I, bring that out, strong. <laughs> when I bring that out, you get a lot of laughs and they mock me and then they learn to love it. So... <laughs> But I think those are wonderful protectors and, uh, when you're talking about it because they're thick, they're just like, they yeah. absorb the shock. And you can kind of bounce off it? of it. Uh, <laughs> no, actually my trainer, Amanda Blumenthal, told me about this. We also can use little pillows for situations like that as well. Really, I, I go into Bed Bath & Beyond and I, I look at it in a whole new way when I go to the kitchen <laughs> section. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's great. I, I'm going to go to the Bath and Beyond and look at it the same way. <laughs> Sounds like a fun way of making or things Pilates, interesting. Or a Pilates ball, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell us for people that the, the talents, people, actresses, actors that are listening to this show, is there anything that you want them to know I that think, we haven't talked about? Sure. I think it's important to know your contract. I brought out a, a couple of clauses that had just been put into the 2020 contract. And there are now new clauses about around auditioning that you should look up. If you go to my website, which is marcyleroffic.com, I do have, I think it's a SAG after a cheat sheet, so to speak. And it tells you your rights in terms of auditioning and once you're on set. And because you know, I think people don't know that you're not supposed to have auditions where the producer asks you to get naked. There are rules around that that uh, what they are is you have to be wearing at least what would amount to a swimsuit for a, a woman and a speedos for a man. And I like that in our initial conversation, you said those with a penis and those with a vulva, because that is really what we say. And um, I was just paraphrasing before. They can't ask you to be fully naked. And if they do want you to come in the swimsuit attire, they have to give you 48 hours written notice. They can't just do it in the room. So this gives you a heads up about what's going, and they can only do it once in the final callback. They can't have you keep coming back. 
mm-hmm. and forth. And there has to be somebody else in the room and you're allowed to bring a peer. So read, I, I really urge the actors to read up on that and know your rights so that you go in and you're educated. And SAG is now suggesting that there are no auditions held in hotels any longer. No, it's, not a, it's not a hard and fast rule in the contract. It's a suggestion. I mean, I have, as a casting director, I have had years and years and years of, you know, I, I go off on location or I go off to New York and I have a beautiful suite and we have our auditions in the suite. But as you know, uh, somebody took great advantage of that, Harvey Weinstein, and things have changed. So we need to make sure that actors are protected and that are not put in these situations that they go in fully educated and in a safe situation. Excellent. Thank you for sharing all of those tips and information that many people might not have. And I, I urge people to definitely check out the document you mentioned. Mm-hmm. If people want to kind of like check out your content, is the website is the best place? Do you, how can people reach you? Uh, through the website. Yeah. MarcyLeroffIC.com. And earlier you asked, is it mandatory yet? And could an actor ask for, for an IC? And I, I urge actors to educate their representatives so that when they're making a deal for them, that they, they build this into the deal. That if they have a scene like this, that, that they must hire an IC. I've gone around to all the studios and networks to educate them about this new position and more and more of them are coming on board. But if actors are specifically requesting it, then, then it's going to get done. I mean, I just had an actor client of mine request that within her contract going Mm -hmm. in and actors need to educate themselves from the, from the get-go, meaning the breakdown. So when we're casting a project, we send out this thing called a breakdown that lists all the roles and describes the roles and the storyline and casting directors put there may be partial nudity or there may be simulated sex and so when you go on your audition you should ask what specifically that means specifically and many times the casting person won't know because they haven't had that discussion yet with the director but as you start going through the system of getting more more and more callbacks you have every right to ask the director, what do they have in mind? Exactly what, like, what are the parameters of this? There's no more, oh, we'll figure it out on the day. That's the best thing about this job that doesn't exist anymore. I'm glad that there's been some changes and it seems like meaningful changes because Absolutely. for years and years, people have been kind of put place in a place that they were kind of, there was a possibility for them to get harmed. Is there, when I think about ther- like people hiring therapists, they often interview people. There are some people that are specialized in trauma. There are some people that specialize in different things. Is it the same with intimacy coordinator that there are different intimacy coordinators that are specialized in different populations? Uh, yes, good question. Some people are they specialize in kink and BDSM, and or or they're they're more they specialize more in the actual uh, choreography. And so when we get interviewed, the producers are basically looking at our our um, experience thus far and and the whole picture. You know, just you know who who they are. Who because at the end of the day, there's a lot of qualified people out there. Who do you want to send? Who do you want to spend the day with on set? You know, who who are you? It's like picking a therapist. You think who are you going to let in and 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 trust? Right. And right. so it's really important for production to vet these people before they hire. There are a lot of people that have kind of waved a wand over their head, saying I'm an intimacy coordinator, and they do not have the proper training, and they aren't certified. And so the certification process is new 
And along with SAG-AFTRA, we're trying to kind of codify it so that it it makes more sense. And SAG-AFTRA is also coming up with a registry of uh, intimacy coordinators that have worked, coordinators that have worked a certain amount of hours or days, and also a pre-registry where people can qualify if they've worked less days. So, because a lot of producers are coming to SAG going, who do I hire? How do I know? Because there's a lot of subterfuge, unfortunately, of people saying that they have experience when they really haven't. Right. Thank God that there's a regulation. It's, yes. it's wonderful. And they're uh, kind of screening people out. And and they're also looking for a fit that kind of people that they have the experience and expertise on, on those areas. So the the link for Marcy's website is going to be on the show notes. So people can check out and kind of get a hold of you there. Any other resource that you want to share with us before we close? No, I think that's it, really. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. This was great. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. It was interesting to hear about the details of the role of intimacy coordinator, specifically about Marcy. It was interesting to hear her bio and listen to some of the experiences she had. I was reading her Wikipedia and I saw that she was a casting director for E.T., which is really cool. It was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. (laughs) So it was interesting to see that she started as a casting director and then a transition to a intimacy coordinator. At the end, I also want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. As you guys know that I'm a big, big advocate of therapy, last week we had the Suicide Awareness Month, and I personally can talk about the benefit of therapy. Personally, I see how people's life has been impacted by the help I received. For years, I struggled with major depressive disorder for a number of different reasons. So you have a family history of depression paired with political issues and societal issues in Iran when I was growing up. And I remember that for years, I was waking up with this feeling of doom on my chest. And I was almost at the point of acceptance and some like young age thinking about, okay, some people are born happy and I guess that's who I am and that's my default. And it wasn't until I started my own therapy when I entered college that I learned that, oh God, this is the mental illness. This is not who I am. And my therapist changed my life and it gave me opportunity right now to feel the way I feel and I would be able to help others. So if you are thinking about therapy, I encourage you to look into betterhelp.com. You can start communicating with a licensed professional within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's not one of the those courses that you have to do on your own. It's a professional therapy done securely online. I hope you're struggling. You're reaching out to get help. And don't forget to sign up for my master class. And I love to hang out with you in upcoming weeks. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help 
from a licensed mental health provider.